1: Hey, everyone. Before we get started today, I want to take a moment to address what happened in Georgia last week when a man murdered eight people, six of whom were of Asian descent. Over the past year, my heart has been broken over the increased harassment, verbal and sometimes physical towards men and women who look like me. What upsets me even more is that the majority of the harassment has been directed towards the elderly and towards women. This podcast is about Leslie and my happy place. But over the past year, it's been interrupted by events in the real world that have been far too important to ignore. I want to thank Leslie for being an ally to my family and myself, and I also want to personally thank those of you who reached out. It means a lot. I'd encourage you to read the article I've linked in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about the escalating violence against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders over the past year. As always, thank you for listening. On to the show. Welcome to Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we talked to listener Connie, who was at Disney World over spring break last week. It was super busy, so we were excited to hear tips about how best to deal with the increasing Disney crowds. Final episodes of this podcast at disneydeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney or if you're looking to book a trip, you can use me as your travel agent at no cost to you. Get started by emailing Joseph Chung at travelmation.net. If you have a question or something you'd like to share, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at ww.deciphered on Twitter, or find us. Find us on our Facebook page, Disney Decipher. Thanks and enjoy the show. I'm Joe from As A Joe Flies, and Leslie is not with me today. She's taking a much-needed vacation, but thankfully, I have a trip report from listener Connie, who was recently at Disney World during the height of spring break, the busiest time of the year. Park passes were sold out everywhere. But before we get to that, Connie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your family's Disney background and what are the particulars of your trip, how long you were there, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Hi, I'm Connie Cern. So my family, we're a Disney family. We've been several times, but for me, it's been a number of years. And we went over this last past week, we went from a Sunday to Saturday. And from what I hear is, was the single most busy week since uh, COVID started. Why
1: don't you tell us a little bit about where did you stay and the resort experience that you had?
0: Okay. So we stayed at Pop Century. It actually did sell out. They didn't have a single room available there. We had a family that we saw checking in who had an issue with their room and asked for a different room and they told them there wasn't a single other room they could give them. We stayed at Pop Century in the past. It's been updated since then. They did really good with the social distancing. Overall, I was really satisfied with staying there. We're not a family that really stays in the room too much. So we didn't need a whole lot of room or anything fancy for this trip. And I brought my daughter Sabina and my husband Roger on the trip with me.
1: Now I heard some stories that check-in or the lobby was like pretty crazy and pretty busy and at times disorganized. Did you experience any of that? Did you have any problems in the lobby? I don't know if you needed to go to the front desk for anything, but you know, what was your experience with all that?
0: Uh, Yeah, there actually was quite a bit of a wait when we first got there, but it wasn't disorganized at all. Several other times when we walked by there, there didn't seem to be any other lines for checking in. The check-in went fine. Interestingly, the guy who checked me in, he did not give us the, the key cards that have our tickets on them. So I don't know if he assumed we had the bands, but he didn't give those to us. So we ended up having to go back to get those.
1: Yeah. And that's a great reminder that since magic bands are no longer included in the cost of your stay, if you do not have magic bands, you need to get those uh, key to the world cards, which double as your ticket and also as your room key. So yeah, it's kind of weird that he didn't give them to you. When did you figure out that you needed them? Like when you got to your door and you couldn't get in?
0: So we tried to use the open up the door with your phone it was a little glitchy so we decided we better get the key cards and then i think i it wasn't until we actually got to the park when i tried to get in the phone into the park with my phone that they said no you need the card and luckily we had them with us so
1: yeah so that's a that's a great reminder and um, you know something your travel agent should have told you so boo to him um, <laughs> The joke is that I I helped her with this trip, so I do feel bad. I should have warned you about all that. Let's talk about the crowds in general. What was your experience with crowds? You said the social distancing felt fine at the hotel, but in general, like how crowded did it feel? And you know, maybe compare it to previous times you've been to Disney World. Did it feel more or less crowded? Give us an impression of you know, what the crowds feel like when you're actually experiencing them.
0: This actually was the first trip that we have been on where we didn't purposely try to go when there were not crowds. So it seemed much more crowded.
1: When you say you avoided crowd times before, when's generally your preferred time to go?
0: Uh, We have gone the week after Thanksgiving. And then usually before spring break would start for most people.
1: Got it. Got it. So sorry, continue how the crowds felt.
0: Yeah, so it, it, it seemed crowded. Of course, because of that, everything took longer because the buses and everything were not full and Disney seemed more serious about social distancing than, than a lot of the people did. A lot of the people I noticed would like take their mask down if no one was around and, and then when the, when the Disney people came around, they'd put it back up again. <laughs> And I think in the lines, people would try to crowd in together a little bit more than what the lines would tell them to do.
1: So one thing that I've noticed is the walkways look more crowded because of the way the lines extend and, you know, go past the normal queue spaces. Did you find that you were seeing a lot of lines spill out and it was like annoying if you're trying to walk by? How did that kind of feel?
0: Yeah. So the crowds did go out on most of the rides, especially the popular rides, really far out into the, the different walkways. So it did seem very crowded. It was actually sometimes really difficult to find the end of the line for certain rides (laughs) because of how far out they went out into the park.
1: I've been wondering about that. So, like, how does one find it? Like, I'm always the person who gets to the wrong place in line and then someone's like, hey, back there. And I always feel bad about it. How does Disney make it clear where the end of the line is?
0: So they have a person with a sign on there that says this is the line for whatever the ride is. And they just stand at that very end of the line the whole day, wherever that may be.
1: What a job! <laughs> so, do you do you, like? Did you find that you would start where the beginning of the line was and work your way back, or was it easy eventually to kind of get a feel for where the line probably was going to start, so you didn't have to like walk all the way to the attraction and then backtrack all the way? These are the random logistical questions I always think about.
0: Yeah, no, and that's a really great question because I wondered the same thing because it always seemed like we would just go to wherever the ride opening was. And it would always seem that the line would be the opposite way of the way that we came. So we would have to double back and spend more time walking to the end of that line. But there, there wasn't any way to know that in advance as far as I know.
1: Got it. Now, because of the crowds, the buses, like you alluded to, are running with less people in them. I was texting with you on your first day, and I think you had a little bit of a long wait for the bus, but partially that was because you got a light start. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you learned about the buses and maybe what's kind of the best strategy to minimize your wait times on the buses?
0: Uh, Yeah, so the first day um, out, we were going to Magic Kingdom, and we went out about 45 minutes prior to the park opening time.
1: Which um, was what, 9 o'clock?
0: That was 8 o'clock.
1: So you went out to wait for a bus at 7.15, you mean? 7.15, yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, And we actually probably waited in line for about 45 minutes to get on the bus.
1: So you didn't get on the bus until 8 itself. Right. Basically. Yeah. And then... Then what, the 20, 25-minute ride to Magic Kingdom?
0: Right. The first day was definitely our worst strategy day. (laughs) So we got into the park. It was already pretty hopping. When we got there, ride lines were already up to like 60 plus minutes. But what we figured out as the day went on was each day we kind of went a little bit earlier. The second day we went about an hour and 15 minutes prior to the Animal Kingdom opening. And we waited about 30 minutes to get uh, onto the bus for that one. So we did a little bit better with that. And that was both for the buses there. And then the next two days we took the Skyliner. And that was pretty crowded, like the line wise was really backed up, but it moves pretty quickly. We went out about an hour and a half um, on that day and it took about 15 minutes to get on there. So we were able to get in there a little bit earlier. And then the next day we actually went two hours and we got on there you know, really quickly. And we ended up getting that day and the next day about an hour before a park opening. Um, and they actually let us in at that time.
1: That's awesome. Now, two questions for you. When you went to the bus stop an hour and 15 minutes before for Animal Kingdom, were there like already buses running? Like, did you see people already getting picked up? So like they were already picking people up or you got there an hour, and 15 minutes before, had to wait a bit before you started seeing buses picking people up? Uh,
0: yeah, they were actually already picking people up even when we went two hours before they were put, they were picking people up already.
1: You know, I uh, got a notification on my app that said, you don't have to line up early for the bus. You know, you don't have to line up until an hour before park opening. And I was like, these are lies that my (laughs) Disney experience is saying to try to like spread out crowds or something. So I'm glad you're here to confirm that those were indeed lies by my Disney experience.
0: Yes, 2 hours is going to is really I think is optimal.
1: And so then for the Skyliner, my other question was from Pop Century you need to take the Skyliner to Caribbean Beach, but then you need to get off and get into another line. What was your experience getting into that second line at Caribbean Beach because at that point you're merging with all the Caribbean Beach people as well, right?
0: Yes. And that line was actually longer than the line from pop century over. Yeah. But when we went the two hours early, then that was much better as well.
1: And so when you lined up two hours early before park opening, you got there about an hour before park opening, and then they let you in at that point. Yep. Now, what was your impression of having a park? I think you had told me that you didn't Normally get the park hopper, um, and this was something that you were kind of trying new for your trip. So, you know, how did you feel about the park hopper, especially during these reopening times? You know, not being able to switch till two p.m., etc. You know, how did you feel it worked for you and your family?
0: I, I have used the park hopper before and not used it, and I'm really glad that we used it, even though there was the limit of two p.m. And um, you did have to call the number that you gave us to make sure that that park was open and we didn't have any problems at all getting into any of the parks for park hopping. They were all open. We usually went after two o'clock. We did go once to Epcot early to see if they would let us in early, which they let us in about 10 minutes early.
1: Okay. And then for park hopping, you know, what was your general strategy? Did you kind of know what park you planned to hop to in the afternoon or did you play it by ear? Did it kind of evolve as your trip went along?
0: Well, we had plans to, since we didn't have a day specifically for Epcot and we had dinner plans there, we knew that we would park hop there for that day. Uh, the other days we played by air based on what the wait times were looking at it for the other parks to which ones we wanted to go back to. So if they looked like they were pretty good, then we dec- we would decide to go back to that
1: park. And if you thought it was going to be short wait times, did it end up being the case when you actually got there or were you ever like surprised and lines were like longer than you had expected?
0: Obviously, it fluctuates a lot. Even when you're in the park and you see, a, a, you're like, well, that's a good wait time. Let's go there. Then by the time you go there, it went from 30 to 65 minutes. <laughs> but I think you can sort of track during the day. I think this past week had a lot of children off for their spring break. So it seemed like the early mornings and the late nights were not nearly as busy.
1: On wait times, did you feel like when you were in line, they were pretty accurate or were they still a little bit overinflated? Like if it said 60 minutes, you were getting there in like 45 or 50.
0: Actually, several of them, I think, were (laughs) underinflated. They were that we waited long. Spring break problems. Yeah. That was mainly in Magic Kingdom. The others actually seemed to be a little bit more accurate.
1: Got it. A quick detour from what we had uh, written down. At Epcot, you went to Chefs de France. That is a restaurant that has been on my list to check out. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience there? Um, You told me via text that it was really great. So I just want to hear a little bit more about your experience eating at Chefs de France
0: oh yeah it was very delicious so they have a a price fixed meal you order an appetizer and then you pick one of the entrees and then you order one of the desserts that you actually surprisingly it moved through pretty quickly i think they try to have a pretty quick turnover but i we didn't feel rushed at all and spina and i got our escargos that we hardly ever get to get here in greenville and then she had some salmon and i had filet mignon and it was it was really delicious
1: that's awesome and then how did it feel in there i've heard that sometimes it feels like tables are almost too spread out did you feel like the space between tables was too much too little
0: no i, I think it was about just right
1: continuing on dining you did a lot of mobile ordering Tell us a little bit about your experience with that.
0: Yeah, we like to eat. So um, as you know, um, there really wasn't any sit-down reservations available, pretty much. I mean, I think a few would open up, like people who changed their plans at the last minute, but there really wasn't anything for sit-down. So we did use mobile ordering, and I have to say that the mobile ordering is really something that I really enjoyed. And that really worked perfectly. Whenever you want to eat, you just go ahead and place your order right on your phone. And then you go ahead and pay for it right on your phone. And then when you actually are at the restaurant, you say I'm here, go ahead and make my meal for me. And it's pretty quick, you just go up and show them that and it and when it will uh, ding you back, it will say go to counter such and such and you just go up and they'll Send you there, you'll get your meal, and then you can find a place to sit. And all of those places also seem to be socially distanced with use, using about half of their tables. So I thought that worked well, and I wouldn't mind if they keep that, <laughs> actually.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's one thing I want to keep as well. Now, Two questions about that. My first was, I know early on when things were crowded, people had to wait like a long time. Um, They were getting like wait times of like, don't come to the restaurant for like 45 minutes to pick up your mobile order. But it doesn't seem like you ran into that. I'm not sure, were you avoiding peak times or did it seem like Disney was just pretty efficient and they were getting orders done pretty quickly?
0: What I noticed was that uh, some of the popular places, your window wouldn't be available for up to like two hours. I saw for like Woody's Lunchbox, At Hollywood studios. So, if you knew you definitely wanted to eat there, you would want to like go ahead two hours prior to when you think you want to eat and go ahead and snag the slot.
1: Great tip. I guess you can either prepare in advance, eat at off peak times, or order at restaurants that aren't as popular. Yeah. All three of those things will keep you kind of moving along.
0: Right. And there's enough places that we didn't ever have any issues at all trying to find some place to eat at a quick service.
1: And then, I guess, my second question is with the tables, like did you ever have trouble finding a table? I almost wonder, because they're doing these time slots, it kind of naturally keeps the number of tables filled that's correct so that you should be able to find a table. But I'm sure you know, actually maybe you don't know because you haven't gone at busy times, but um, sometimes it's like the Hunger Games looking for a table. Um, <laughs> so how was the impression there?
0: Yeah, no, there was no problems finding tables at all. So I, I, they really seem to have a good grip on that flow and the logistics of moving people through.
1: Awesome. Now, the main reason you guys want to go is because your daughter is a big Star Wars fan. And, you know, you texted me on your Hollywood Studios morning that uh, you did not get a Rise of the Resistance boarding pass. But then at a few minutes after 1 p.m., you texted me saying that you got one and that you received a uh, nice little tip. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about tips you have for getting onto the Rise of the Resistance queue? Um, And then, of course, tell me a little bit about how you felt about the attraction itself.
0: Okay. The first morning that we tried to uh, get on the virtual queue, we were in at Pop Century. What the issue is is I don't know if that's the case for all the rooms, but I do remember one other time that we went that the Wi-Fi was not particularly good, but I think because a lot of people are trying to get the tickets at that same time, it, I think it even made the Wi-Fi worse. Also, our LTE, I have 5G was not available there. The LTE was not strong in the room either. So I think that was our issue with getting that first drop. The next day when we tried, because we went two days, what we did was we went all around our area to find the place where we could have the strongest signal for the LTE. We turned the Wi-Fi off because there's just too many people on it. And so what we did was we went where we had the four bars and that was where we were able to get it the second day.
1: So you physically went outside your room and just walked around looking for signal.
0: Right. We, we actually went the night before to, say, to find where would be the strongest spot. So we walked around and found it and they said, this is the spot. So that's
1: where we'll Smart. Walking. Preparing in advance. Yes. Uh, uh, where was that at Pop Century?
0: Um, at Pop Century, it's in the front, right where you go out to where the buses are to pick up the parks, or over by the Skyliner.
1: Did you see anyone else out there with you with the same idea?
0: I didn't notice that at all.
1: Maybe they were hiding in the bushes, so people wouldn't steal their steal their uh, LTE spots. I guess it, it probably depends on uh, what carrier you have as well, yeah. but that's good to know. So, yeah. what was the uh, the trick to help you with the one PM drop on that first day?
0: Right. So, yeah, one of the workers there told us that a same kind of concept would just turn off your Wi Fi and use your your LTE and he said the strongest place to go was over by the Indiana Jones Jeep.
1: Got it. That's right outside um the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular, like the jeeps outside the attraction? Yes. And that is a uh, that's one of those relaxation zones right now, right?
0: Yes. Indiana Jones. It is.
1: Did you see anyone else hanging out besides the jeep?
0: Yes, we did and they also got the tickets. The nice. System.
1: And so uh, Rise of the Resistance, you know, did it live up to your daughter's expectations and your expectations?
0: Uh, yes, it it is singly the best ride. I, I don't even want to call it a ride because it's an experience that we've ever had. So it was everything I wanted it to be and more.
1: I, I felt the same way. Do you feel like, um, you know, I know you had told me that at least the first time you went on, you were in the second row. So there's the plexiglass in front of you. Do you feel like that took away from anything or it's still an amazing experience regardless?
0: Yeah, I mean, it still was. And I don't know if they changed the colors, but at least for when we were there, the blue dot and the silver dots are the ones that get to sit in the front seats. I would, I would try for that if, if they would let you. We the second day we went, they let us I mean, they didn't we didn't ask them we we were going to if they didn't put us on one, but we were put on the blue and it was the different route. So they have the two different routes. So it's a little bit different what you see because of the timing. I never looked at anything before we went because I wanted to be surprised, but I actually missed a lot of stuff still that was there to see.
1: Yeah, it's one of those attractions that every time you go through, there's a new detail. I'm glad you guys had a great time on the attraction. I knew that uh, your daughter was going to love it, and I'm glad that's how things went. You also said uh, you really enjoyed Smuggler's Run. I know you park hopped their Hollywood Studios on your first or second day. Any thoughts on Smuggler's Run?
0: I mean, that was also a great ride. I mean, I don't even really know what to say about it. I think it was good as well. Rise of the Resistance, I don't think anything compares to that, but I I enjoyed that. And we went back to the original park ride as well. And that was just as good as I remember as well.
1: Star Tours, yeah. And on Smuggler's Run, I know you were there late at night. What was the wait time like for that? Did you have to wait for a long time? And I think this is a good time to segue to whether you have any tips for wait times for any of the popular rides.
0: Uh, Yeah, we actually had about a 25-minute wait for that what we found in this worked for us, although, you know, depending on the family dynamics may not because we didn't have any children with us, is we think the best way to get on the popular rides from what we looked at is we tracked wait times on the app was that if you go two hours prior so that you're actually getting in before the park opens since they let you get in there, what we would recommend you do is go directly to the the ride you want to ride the most that always has the highest wait times. And then usually you can do that one and another one even before the park opens, which is what we ended up doing. And then what we would do is then spend another couple of hours there and then go back to our room for a break for our feet. And then we would go back again later on in the evening. And that um, seemed to work really well because the times will start to also go down at the end. So like our last day there at Magic Kingdom, we opened the park, we ended up actually closing Magic Kingdom as well. And then we went and closed Epcot as well.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. With those extended hours during spring break, uh, you can still do that. I know with the shorter hours, it's harder. Right. Epcot was running to like what, 10 or 11?
0: To 11. So that day we, we got to do 10 rides, but I think on average, it's probably about five. So I think you just have to have realistic expectations about how much you can really get done when it's crowded like it was last week.
1: And did you find yourself doing anything in between attractions? I mean, it seemed like you guys were taking things at a nice leisurely pace, just enjoying yourselves, but did you guys, you know, run into any of the cavalcades, you know, did you go exploring, I, what other kind of things did you guys um spend your time doing?
0: Well, we ate a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah. yes, we've but,
1: established that. Yeah, um,
0: and uh, we chopped a lot as well. We ran into a few, not a whole lot of the cavalcades. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of took it in and took our time, and it was overall a really great trip. The, the beginning of it was just a little bit rough because just feeling like we didn't get enough done today of what we wanted to do. But I definitely recommend the park hopper because then we were able to go back and do that again those ones that we didn't get to do. Plus um, we got to do flight of passage again as well. And that was really good.
1: Yeah. What was your flight of passage wait time like?
0: The first time that we went, when we went early, it was about 15 minutes. And then when we went back for the park hop, it was about 30 or 35 minutes.
1: I mean, that's very reasonable. Yeah. I would say, you know, I think that's definitely something that's great. And then Doug from Rope Drop Radio was telling me that, I can't remember the attraction. I don't know if it was Big Thunder or Splash, but, you know, his son was there with a bunch of other 13 year olds and they Uh rode. I can't remember which mountain it was, but they rode it like seven times within 90 minutes towards the end of the night. So I think even during the time you were there when it was so crowded, you know, at the end of the night, there's still like a lot of attractions that you can get on. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's great advice right there. Yep, definitely. All right. So then to finish things out, the Magical Express or the Tragical Express, you said you had some things you want to say about that. So the floor is yours.
0: Yeah, no, I just wanted to, again, everything is kind of hurry up and wait uh, there. But at the time that they tell you to come, they say you can come 15 minutes early or should come 15 minutes early. It's pretty disorganized there. So if you have a lot of time, like we did, it was fine. We weren't stressed about it, but- if you, did, if you don't, I could see where you would be stressed. So you, you probably want to go earlier than the 15 minutes that's recommended.
1: This is on the way back to the airport?
0: Yes. On the way there was no issues.
1: And do they still get you to the airport like two and a half hours before your flight?
0: They did for us. And I wasn't sure if that was for everyone or not. And that's why I said that um, if someone was in a hurry, they would be pretty stressed about how long it was taking because like our group, we waited three buses before we got on.
1: Oh, interesting. I feel like in the past your bus was always like your bus. That's interesting to hear because in the past, what I would do is I would actually look up a flight that took off an hour and a half after my actual flight mm-hmm. and give Disney that flight time because I did not want to be at the airport two and a half hours early. I got like you. an hour, like an hour is good for me. So, however, if they're just getting people on the buses one at a time, you know that makes me think I could even show up late and I'd probably be okay. But I don't know. Got to got to figure that one out. Yep. All right. So we always like to end our episodes with a Disney do or don't. So from your spring break trip, Connie, do you have a Disney do or don't to share with the listeners? A little tip for us.
0: Uh, yeah. So my Disney do would be to show up early. If you think you want to be there a half an hour early, show up an hour early, but two hours early is the best and have realistic expectations about how much you can get done.
1: Great. Thanks so much. Earlier is better when you're at Disney World. You can uh, sleep when you get home, right? That's right. All right. Well, Connie, thank you so much for sharing your experience. It sounds like you guys had a great time. I'm glad you had fun. I was frankly worried that the crowds were going to be too much, but it seems like even with the crowds, you had a wonderful time. And I guess I should end by saying, do you think crowds are something that should scare people off right now? Or do you think the experience is still good despite it?
0: Yeah. I think the experience was still good despite it. I would probably myself go at a different time like I've done in the past, but this is how it worked. And I'm glad that we went.
1: Well, I'm glad you got to go as well. Thank you so much for sharing your tips and thank you for taking the time to talk to us here. Really appreciate it, Connie. Thank you and uh, have a great day.
0: Well, thank you for having me on and thank you for helping me plan my trip.
1: (laughs) Anytime, anytime.
0: All right. Well, we'll chat with you later.
1: Bye.